0: Hello, good evening. It's Gabriel Benson, and I'm pleased to be coming your way once more with another episode of Calvary Message. So, um, this evening we we'll would be rounding up a series devices of the enemy. Shall we bow down our heads for a word of prayer? Father, we've come to listen to your word. I pray. That you grant us a soft heart to receive the seed of the word, let the seed multiply and bear fruit. Enable these lips these lips of clear of mind to speak the truth of your word in simplicity. that we all be blessed, even as you've blessed us with understanding the mysteries of the gospel of the kingdom of God. I thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, as I said, today we'll be concluding our series. We'll just be drawing the curtains down on devices of the enemy. And the third installment, final installment of this series is Avenues of Temptation the Devil Uses Now. The Avenues of Temptation the Devil Uses Now. So to recap on our uh, two previous episodes if per chance you didn't listen to them, I would encourage that you go back and listen to them because um, there were some deep truths expounded in there so if you've not had a chance to, it's on this same podcast channel, you can go check them out Devices of the Enemy um, 1 and the Device of the Enemy 2 and then you'd know what was there but then For the sake of time, and for the sake of understanding this very episode, I would want to recap what we discussed in the previous two. So, we talked about the fact that the devil is a tempter. That's that's who he he is. It's his identity. And he can't change from it. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He's, He's a tempter. He's a deceitful one. And he will try to tempt you. Not he will try to tempt you. He will tempt you at every turn of your christian life if given the chance and then there are two types of temptation that we talked about we talked about um the temptation through enticement, and then the temptation through endurance so in the first type we we learned that uh we are enticed by vanities by pleasures and by false doctrines and then we are just drawn away from our faith and the second one is you know, when the devil um, uh, incites uh, challenges in our lives and then we need to endure, but then we cannot endure and then we fall away. So that's the effect or those are the effects of those kinds of temptations. But we talked about the need to persevere until the very end, because the Lord is not going to allow any temptation that is greater than you to befall you. We talked about the fact that um, you need to know that you, God is faithful and that you need to stick to the truth and that you are endured with power that you have to be self-controlled and that you have to hold fast the profession of the faith these are some of the points that we deliberated on uh, as the solution or uh, the means the ways of prevailing against temptation or prevailing over temptations so this is what we recapped or we talked about um some two episodes ago um it's drizzling over here so if you can't hear i'll try my, my very best to to speak loudly but if you can't hear me please forgive me it's, it's the weather but uh, in no time the rain is stopping in jesus name amen <laughs> all right so um we're just going to, without wasting much time, we're just going to delve straight into what we have for this evening. Um, Devices of the enemy. Avenues of temptation the devil uses now. So, um, we're talking about devices of the enemy, right? We're talking about ways and means that the devil can tempt Christians. Ways and means that the devil tempts the sons and the daughters of God. And Uh, we talked about the types, as I mentioned. Now, whether the devil will tempt you by your pleasures, whether the devil will tempt you by your vanities, or through false doctrine, as we saw in the case of the parallel case of Jesus and then Eve. Okay. They will be based on these three avenues. All right. So, um... We have temptation through enticement. And in temptation through enticement, we learn that um, the devil will tempt you by your vanities. Um, He will tempt you by your, uh, your, 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 your pleasures. And then false doctrines. And then when we talked about the temptation through endurance, we talked about the fact that the devil employs deceits and deceptions, doubts, in these kinds of 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 temptation, so you can see that the tools that he's using, okay, are your pleasures, uh your vanities, are, uh false doctrines, are doubts and deceits and deceptions. So these are the tools that he's using. However, in which avenue is he using them at, or what 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 is the driving force? okay that he's implementing these tools through okay it's three things it's uh, your money no it's not your money it's money it's sex and it's pride so these are the three avenues that the devil tempts people that the devil tempts mostly christians through money sex and pride are the three avenues so we'll be talking at length about these different kinds of avenues okay so um just a clear distinction when when we talk about the avenues i'm talking about um you see the 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 when i I talk about the avenues i'm talking about the kinds the 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 places or the lunch parts okay where the devil actually implement his strategies from okay or the 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 targets that he he wants to achieve okay by reason of his object of temptation so if for instance um, somebody would want to uh, of course travel from one country to another the person's um, avenue is getting to a different location and the means to get there is by an airplane. That's what we are talking about. So the devil wants to use money. He wants to use sex. He wants to use pride, okay, to bring you down, to tempt you and me so that we will fall and so that we'll be weaned away or brought away from the light and the word of God. And he does them through the the kinds of temptations that we've discussed previously. Please, I hope it's clear. All right. So that is those are the avenues. And somebody may ask, why does the devil use these avenues, or why am I giving this uh, these three forms of avenues or examples of avenues? It is simply because uh, in these avenues, okay, people fall away from grace faster than in different avenues, okay, there could be more than three, but these are the are the ones that the devil uses, especially now, okay, against the Jews, against men and women who have decided to stay pure to the word of God. These three avenues, the devil knows that when he, when he aims at that, okay, when he aims at these three different avenues, that you will fall quickly and harder, okay, and it may be, quite impossible for you to bounce back so he doesn't joke with these three but the Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices to this evening you and me we are not ignorant of his devices you and I we are not ignorant of his devices he's been exposed and we are being led to the truth and the truth is setting us free if you believe say a big amen God bless you for saying amen all right so um, we're gonna take them one after the other and talk about them so we said that the first avenue that the devil tempts people uh, through now is by money money and we will see that in 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 so you open your Bibles with me to 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 and it reads for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I take it again. First Timothy chapter six verse ten. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Amen. So we we from the scripture just read, we get to understand that money is the root of all kinds of evil. Okay, the Bible didn't say it is there. It says it is a, a def, um, an indefinite article. So it is one of the many forms of words, the causes of evil. And he said it is the love of money. Not money, but the love of it. Okay, it says for the love of money. It's a root of all kinds of evil. Now, when when, when we talk about... Um, the fact that or when the Bible speaks about the fact that money is um, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The Bible is not asking you not to be rich or not to be prosperous. God Himself in His Word has said that I wish above all things that they mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. Okay, so Jesus god himself he wants us to be rich he wants us to be prosperous but he doesn't want that to be the driving force behind our very existence you see some people just live for money it's like the 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 very reason they are alive it's so because they can accrue riches they can attain riches but that is not the will of god for you and me okay The Bible says, says, he says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. So God wants your soul to prosper first. And as your soul prospers, then your health prospers. As your health prospers, everything around you and everything about you prospers. Your job, your education, your career, your finances, your children, your family, everything about you. Prosperous okay, prosperity is greater than riches. So, um, we see people always in in the haste to make money. You know, don't let that be your concern, okay? Don't let that be the very reason why you exist. Don't let that be your topmost priority that you want to be rich. So, at all costs, you must be rich when you have this kind of mindset okay all all it breeds is violence is evil because you don't care the number of those you step on in order to be rich you don't care the number of of people you may kill metaphorically or not in order to be rich because to you being rich is the ultimate goal so you set riches money as your god and you are trying to please it. You are trying to attain it. Meanwhile, God has given unto us the power to make wealth. And all that we need to do is to seek him first. The Bible says that seek the kingdom of God and righteousness first. And all other things. He said, when you read that passage, he said, Look, I know that you have need of all these things. I think it's in Matthew 6, 30 to 34. What you wear, what you eat. I mean, I know that you have need of all that but seek first the kingdom of God. God knows, and all other things, every other thing he's going to add onto you. You don't have to make money a priority. So you see young people, uh, you know, trying to make it with all their might, with all their strength, they forget God, and so they forget their their Christian principles, they forget their morals, and they do all kinds of distasteful things. You know, uh, they bet around, they gamble around, have any you know uh, um, 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 kind of labor or work that will fetch them something lucrative no matter how dubious the means are they will still be employed That's why you have people who are drug addicts people who are dealing in drugs they are are drug dealers and stuff like that because they they, they want money They they, they want to make it by every possible means so they don't care that's what the bible is saying it's a root of all kinds of evil that can make you do things that you thought you were never capable of doing. Plus, the Bible has said, we shouldn't lay for ourselves here treasures on earth. It says we should lay up treasures in heaven where moth and decay do not happen. I mean, the money that you are chasing, the money that you, 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 are, you are running rampant for, <laughs> in eternity, are you going to spend that money? Probably your descendants will not even be able to spend that money. And you know that money gained through this and I still be diminished. So why not seek the Lord first? Do not let the devil, no matter your circumstance, do not let the devil use money as a means to tear you from the faith. Don't think you are too holy. If Demas, okay, Demas was Paul's friend. He was an apostle of the Lord. Okay, an apostle of the Lord, even if he was able to turn away if the devil was able to tempt him through the avenue of money and the devil succeeded then we all need to be watchful the Bible says take heed lest you fall anyone who thinks you stand take heed lest you fall so when you read first um, um, Timothy I think 14 four ten. Second Timothy rather second Timothy, chapter 4, verse 10. It says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, having loved this present world. He loved the things of the world. He loved money. He chased after money. So in the end, what happened was, he left Paul. In other words, he left the, the, the ministry of the gospel, the ministry that was entrusted into his hands. That is one avenue through which the devil can tempt us by money. You know, the key to riches is faithfulness. When you read Proverbs 23, 4 and Proverbs twenty eight twenty, you'll find astounding and amazing surprises about how to make money. And it's not about, you know, being, being too overzealous and you're chasing after money at every beck and call, no. Is being diligent. Is being faithful with what you've been given. And the Lord is going to multiply that. Never let money be a snare or a trap for you. The second is sex. And you see, most most of the times, these are the things that uh, the devil uses on the youth. And like I said... These things are difficult to heal from. Imagine someone who has become so enticed with money. What did Jesus say about people like that? He said, it is difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Very difficult. I'm not saying if you're a rich man, you can't enter into the kingdom of God, no. But he says, it is difficult because when you become rich, you you tend to trust in, in, in your riches, which are uncertain. That is why Jesus... Or the Lord trains us before he blesses us with riches so that the riches will not have an adverse effect on us. David prayed that prayer, do you remember? He said, don't let me be too rich that I'll forget you. Unfortunately, his son Solomon didn't pray that same prayer. So, I mean, we, we all know what happened to him. So it is difficult to heal from such, such um, um, temptations. When, 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 or if let me use if, if you fall prey to them. Secondly, sex. This, this is a whole, <laughs> a whole scripture on its own, a whole sermon actually, on its own. See, um, being joined with a woman as one is through sex. Okay, so therefore, uh, the two become one flesh through sex. So when you read Matthew chapter 19, verse 5 and verse 6, let's open to Matthew 19, verse 5 and 6. What does it say? It says, uh, And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let no man separate. So we know that the two become one flesh through sex. Why am I saying that? Because the Bible said, for this reason. For this reason. What reason was the Bible talking about? The reason of marriage. The reason that they are both male and female. So that there is a female is the reason a man shall live experience and be joined with a woman so this connotes marriage right and marriage between a man and a woman are that any other kind of marriage is imported it is unnatural and it is sinful it's actually demonic the only acceptable marriage is marriage between a man and a woman that's what the bible says for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with her this also supposes that if you are not married and you have sex, it is a sin. Because the Bible says, For this reason, for the reason that a man has seen a woman that he delights in, he shall leave his father and his mother. That's marriage, and be joined. So he leaves that connotes married and be joined. That is sex to her. Therefore, if you have sexual relations with anybody who is not your husband or your wife, it is a total sin. So, when you read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, the Bible says that it is not good for a man to touch a woman. Nevertheless, for the sake of sexual immorality, let every man have his own wife and every woman her own husband. The Bible said it. This is direct. It says... It is no good for a man to touch a woman. It is no good. Nevertheless, for the sake of sexual immorality, because, I mean, man, if, if you are sexually immoral, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come there, but it is... <laughs> the bottom line is that you will not inherit the kingdom of God, as with all other sins, but sexual immorality, okay, cuts deeper because the bible says that when you sin against your body okay through sexual immorality fornication or adultery you are not only you are you are, you are not only sinning against uh, you are sin you are actually sinning against your body because every other sin that you commit is outside the body but sexual immorality is against the body that's why people who are addicted to fornication, who are addicted to pornography, who are addicted to masturbation, people who are addicted to, to who are adulterous, it is difficult. Um, it's not impossible, but it is difficult to, to actually get them out of it. So if the devil is tempting you through any of these sexual immoral activities, you got to stand strong. Grace is available. You got to stay with the word. You got to profess the word. You got to live for Christ. Or else when you fall prey, if, again, let me use if, or else if you fall prey to these sexual immoral acts, it will be very difficult to come out of it because it kind of alienates You, you. You sin against your own body. Can you imagine? The Bible says all other sins, It means all all the other forms of, you know, since mentioned Galatians 5.19, you know, idolatry, covetousness, lasciviousness, greed, um, a whole lot, drunkenness, and all that, madness, you know, orgies, and all that, passions, rivalries, it means that all these other sins are done outside the body. But yours, which was a sexual immorality, is done against the body. That has terrible consequences. Probably I cannot, like I said, it's a whole sermon on its own. So I would do, by the grace of God, um, I've been enlightened through the word of God by the Holy Spirit about some of the dire consequences of premarital sex and extramarital sex. So I'll cover it in the next meeting. But I need you to understand that it is very very damaging if you are given to sexual immorality that is why the devil is so particular about people you know being tempted and falling to to sexual immoral acts other than in marriage it is sinful to have sex this is because your body is the lord's that's in first corinthians 6 19 20. It says know ye not that your body belongs to Lord, and that you were bought with a price you're bought with a price. Your body is the Lord's. So once you have sex with another, you become one body with a person and therefore have played the halot with God. The devil knows this. The devil knows this. He knows that your body is the Lord's. Once you're a Christian, you've been bought at a high price. You don't live for yourself. You live for God. You are one spirit with the Lord because you are joined with him by virtue of the Holy Spirit who resides in you. So you are one body, you are one spirit, you are one soul with the Lord. However, when you sleep with somebody who is not your wife or your husband, what you do is you become one with that other person. And so you have played halots, halotry, or you have played the harlots with God. You have cheated on God. Imagine that. The devil knows how, how dire the, the consequences are. And so, at all costs, he tries to make people sleep with each other, as if, as if th- there is no tomorrow, as if it's it's normal. It's not normal to sleep with people who are not who are not married. It is not normal. It's, it is the system. So it's a lie from the. It's a deception. It is not normal. No. You see, sex doesn't only entail physical contact. It goes beyond that. In sex, the couple's bodies, their souls, their spirits are connected. It's, I've, I haven't had sex before. I'm not married, so I can't really uh, explain how it is. But that's the understanding I got from the word and, you know, from reading sources. You know, it's, it's, it's a kind of, why else would you be one with a person? you know uh, you you, in in fact do you know that when you have sex more often with your spouse you guys tend to cooperate on a lot of things it's like there's unity you know a couple that does not have sex there's 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 always friction in their house or in their home so you are joined in these three realms spirit soul and body and this is akin to being one spirit with the lord okay you see, the Bible says you are one spirit to the Lord. It's, it's almost the same as, you know, <laughs> uh, similar to the kind of oneness you have with your spouse through sex. In fact, the Greek word for that term, that's one spirit or intimacy or fellowship with the Lord is koinonia. And koinonia also depicts sexual intercourse. You can look it up. So you being one spirit with the Lord is koinonia more or less knowing when I say knowing I'm talking about a biblical kind of knowing knowing your wife or knowing your husband is koinonia in itself you know more or less so yes they happen via all senses of the three realms that's the koinonia with the lord and the sex with your partner just that the avenues are different sex is physical but it transcends the physical. It goes. It is. It's, it connects the bodies, the souls, and the spirit, and communion with the Lord is spiritual. Just that it transcends the spiritual as well, and connects soul, body, and spirit. Someone may ask that if I'm one spirit with the Lord and my body is His. And so he doesn't want me playing the halos with my body since I'll be joined to others. Then it makes sense that he wouldn't want me to marry either, <laughs> because I'll be joined with another. What about that? That is actually a very good question. You know, Jesus' disciples had the same concern when the Master explained to them the consequences of sex, marriage, and divorce in Matthew chapter 19. So they said, and I quote, in verse 10, "It is better not to marry." <laughs> But Apostle Paul alluded to the same thing, right? He said he wished that all men were like himself, not not marrying. But when you check out Jesus' response in verse 11 of Matthew 19, he said, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. Therefore, it has not been given to you, you must marry. That was Apostle Paul's conclusion, too. So please marry if it has not been given to you. It is not a sin. Marriage is not a sin. Marriage is legal. Okay. God himself instituted marriage. So why wouldn't he want you to be joined with your with your with your spouse? Okay. But if you are single, just as Adam was single, God expects you to fellowship with him, God expects you to take responsibility for your life, for your future. God expects you to work in the garden he has given you. Then and only then can you mature. And then when you mature, you are ready to have a woman by your side. Okay, so you, 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 it's, it's, it's not the other way around. So in marriage, God is pleased with, 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 sex is beautiful, actually. From, from what I've been reading and stuff, it's, it's nice. It's a gift that God gave to us not just for procreation but also for pleasure but the devil will always want to twist it and that is what we are fighting against so marriage is good sex is good however if it has been given to you not to marry well hallelujah it is better that way but if it has not been given to you and i guess that is like 99.99 percent of the human population that was just a joke please marry because of sexual immorality and all that yeah and it is only in marriage that sex is I mean marriage is legal right if even humans accept marriage as being legal so um, in my part of the world in Africa people actually tend to hide when they are having affairs with people who are not there, I'm not talking about people who are, who are who are who are being adulterous, but people who are fornicating a young man, a young woman who are not married but are cohabiting or having an affair. They hide, okay, especially from their parents, from their families. They hide. Why do they do that? Because they know that it is not legal to be doing that, even in in human sense. So when you marry. The the, the spiritual and the material world all acknowledge that indeed this man is yours and this woman is yours and your bodies belong to each other and so you can now consummate your marriage. That is when sex is legal. So please, sex outside of marriage is a sin. It was a sin. It is a sin, and it will continue to be a sin. No worldly trend can change that. They may, it's, it's cool, it's cool. People, yeah. You know, I went to Twitter one time, and people were actually there was this, what was the quote? Can I remember? It says a virgin at twenty-five, uh, an achievement or something to laugh at. Something. I was like, wow, people, It's it's crazy now. You know, people laugh at people for being virgins. I mean, if you're a virgin or twins, we gotta be proud of that. You gotta be proud. God is super proud of you. And He's going to bless you for staying true to Him while you were single. And your marriage is also going to be blessed of the Lord. Don't mind them. All those who are playing the harlots and, and you know, they, they have no respect for God and so their bodies being for God. I'm talking about Christians and and, and and they are just messing around with their own bodies. These people, uh, uh, they, they, uh, they have guilt. They have guilt, actually. They won't let you know. They have guilt. They wish they had never done that. And so they want you to also join them. The devil is using them to talk to you. Of course, they can be saved. Everybody can be saved, no matter their sin, except, apart from the abominable sin. Any sin that you commit, you can be saved from it. We all were sinners and we all have been saved. I'm not going to say that someone committing adultery, I'm better than the... No, 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 no. I'm not better than anybody. You are not better than anybody. We are always saved by grace. But God is waiting. Jesus is waiting for the penitent child to come to him so that he will receive him. So if you are not repentant, if you are not penitent, I mean, you are an abhorrent. It, It means you are discarding the grace of God. And and, and, and you, you don't care. You are being proud. And that's the next avenue. Pride. Pride. So we've talked about um, the avenue of money that the devil tempts through. We've talked about the avenue of sex. And now we're going to talk about the last avenue. Which is the avenue of pride. Please open your Bibles with me. To First John chapter two verse sixteen, in the name of Jesus. Are you there? All right. First John two sixteen. It says that for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father but is of the world. I take it again. First John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, what is all that in the world? The last of the flesh. To one, to the last of the eyes. And then finally, the pride of life. He says, these things are not of the Father, but if they are of the world. <laughs> I mean, if you look at this scripture critically, I think it can it can conclude everything that I'm talking about here. He said, "All that is in the world, the systems, the avenues, the workings of the world, the wheels that the world runs on." That's what the Bible Bible says. All. He didn't say some of what is in the world. He said, "For all that is in the world." So, what makes the world the world? What makes the world stand? What makes the world systems spin and run? It's just these three. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are what is of the world. These are what the devil is the devil over. This is the, he's, he's the prince over these. The lust of the flesh is the ruler of them. The last of the flesh, the last of the eyes and the pride of life. And we've talked about them, right? I think these are the avenues. It, they have it, the, Thank God for the scripture. It has beautifully encapsulated everything that I wanted to say. So now I can we confidently say that there are only three avenues that the devil turns through: money, sex, and pride. Because the last of the flesh is what? Mainly exhibited through uh sex. Mainly. And then the last of the eyes, it was mainly exhibited through uh, um, greed, money. And then lastly, pride of life. That's what we are going to talk about, pride. It says it is not of the Father, but it is of the devil. These three, they are of the devil. They are of the devil. Pride of life. These are what the devil uses to cripple our faith. Pride of life. Rejecting the love of Jesus. Rejecting the grace of Jesus. Thinking that you are okay on your own. Pride of life. Always taking offense. At the least possible thing. Because you think yourself to be higher over everybody. You know, uh, somebody said that pride is not just being... Thinking that you are above everybody, but also thinking that you are beneath everybody. (laughs) He says, see yourself as God sees you. Don't see yourself above that or beneath that. I think that's pride. Let's take that. So, see yourself as as God sees you. Not above what God sees you, not below what God sees you. And I think it's scriptural. I've forgotten the the, the the exact place in scripture that it's at, but this quotation says something like this. It says that, um, um, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Right? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. So some people, probably because of their caliber in the world, probably because of... Uh, Uh, That's maybe a degree that they have, maybe two multiple degrees that they have. Then put that way, because because of the uh, uh, position, Uh, maybe they are into politics, they are into finance, they are into economics, they are they are are celebrities. (laughs) They expect a certain kind of treatment, you know, maybe maybe they are um, they possess a certain kind of. Unique beauty. They are very beautiful. They are very handsome. They are very rich. So they are proud. They are haughty. Think somewhere in Proverbs it lists seven things and, and says these are an abomination to me. The pride of life. Having having put so much trust in this life that you you, you become proud. You become puffed up, and you expect a, a, a different treatment everywhere you go. And you see, when you when you read your Bible very well, it cautions pride at almost every turn in juncture. Somewhere in the New Testament, the Bible says that when you go for a wedding, do not go and sit at the high table. Maybe that seat has been reserved for somebody. And then a the person will come. And then you have to go back to sit among people who are not of the high table. And that's a disgrace. But rather sit amongst the ordinary people, so to speak, so that when or if and when they come to call you, that one is it's it's more dignified then join them there. So the, the 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 Bible wants us to be the, the God wants us to be humble. Jesus himself was humble. The Bible says this about Jesus. He said he said even though he was equal with God, he didn't think it as as something to grasp onto. But he made himself of no repute and died a death. And not just any death, but a shameful death at that. Death on the cross. Most of the... Jesus was Death on the cross was very shameful. They crucified them naked. Very, very shameful at the time. Which, which shameful death do we have now? Is it firing squad? I don't think so. This one, they, it's like they, they disgrace you before they kill you. It was reserved for for the hardest of criminals and Jesus died that death he died that death for you for me above all above all above all he thought of you and me and he died that death even while on earth he was equal with God the man was God The Bible says that for in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God-man. He was man-god. He wasn't 50-50. He was 100-100. He was fully man and he was fully God while he lived here on earth. How do you think he performed some of the things he did? Walking on water, vanishing, being at two places, three places at the same time. How do you think he did all that? Forgiving people their sins. You think a man f- filled with the Holy Spirit can do that? No! It is only God who can forgive people of their sins. He received worship. What are you talking about? He was God while he lived. But he didn't think it as something to grasp onto like, hey, I'm God. I'm God. I mean, these people are, they are, they are, they are about termites in my eyes. I'm not going to mingle with them. He didn't even mingle with a the, with the, with the high class of society. He, was, he, was, he mingled with the low class, with sinners whom he had come to see. But the Pharisees caused the new letter for chastising him for that. And he corrected them. He corrected them. He corrected them. He said, the health is not the physician, but the sick. <laughs> the pride of life. Jesus was so humble. He is so humble. How many of us would have done that? He left his glory. I, this, he was served by what does he need? Angels were serving him, angels were bound to him. The streets of heaven are made of gold. Consider that. Go figure. Yet he left all that and was born in a dirty manger. For you and for me, he was humble. Die the death, the only death that could set us free. Death on the cross. For you and for me. And you think your your degree is 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 prohibiting you, so to speak, from serving in the church, or or from from mingling with a certain class of people. You think your beauty. Wake up, wake up. If Jesus himself was that humble, it's Satan who is the father. Of all proud people father of all lies his pride manifested that's why you fell the pride of life he fell so if the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord then the beginning of every fall is pride once you start to have a pride in you you are going to fall I'm not saying having, I'm saying having confidence is equated to pride. But when you have pride, you, you think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And you kind of think that everybody should give you a professional treatment that. You deserve it. You, you merit it. That is pride. You don't merit anything. Freely you were given, freely you have to give. So these are the devices that the enemy tempts us through and uh, the holy spirit is prompting me to do this. Jesus said in all his humility he said that it is not the sick it is not the healthy, pardon me that need a physician but the sick. Are you sick today? Figuratively or literally are you sick today? Are you desolate? Do you have a fear of tomorrow? Inside of you, do you have no assurance of salvation when Jesus comes again? Are you bombarded with disappointment, with failure? It's as if nothing you do ever prospers. You are entangled and you want to disentangle yourself. You are burdened with a yoke, a yoke of slavery, slavery to sin. You want to quit, but you can't quit. You are addicted to sexual immorality. The love of money rules in your heart. You are proud you 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 are just you are just enslaved and you want to be free but you cannot be free today the power of Jesus is here to touch you in a special way give your life to Jesus see it is the best decision you will ever make in your life nobody has ever given his life to Jesus and has regretted it ever when Jesus comes into your life you have joy Joy that you cannot explain. You are not scared of anything, not even death. Because you rule over death. Because you rule over the things of the world. You rule over the systems of the world. Which plight are you in today? I recommend you to Jesus. He came for the sick. He came for the broken like you. He said, I've been anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to restore the sight of the blind, to heal the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted? Jesus is here to heal you, to set the captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Today, the year of the Lord is proclaimed in your life. The year of fragrance, the year of breakthrough, the year of deliverance, the year of goodness, the year of mercy. You shall not chase after riches. The Bible says, goodness and mercy shall follow thee. They shall chase after thee, all the days of your life. They are invading your space right now, this year, this season, and for the rest of your life, if only you allow them. How do you allow them, you may ask. Take this single act of faith. Receive Jesus into your life receive him into your life you can't you can't fight a battle on your own you you you, you cannot quit on your own let him do the battle for you he he has never lost the battle why he went to hell and beat the enemy on his own turf on his own terrain (laughs) in his own home he made a public spectacle of them triumphant over them in it And that's where he led captivity captive and and, and he took away from the enemy the the, 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 the keys to death. That is why I said you don't even have to fear death as a Christian. No matter where you are, no matter which stage you are in your life, Jesus is here to save you. Jesus is here to save you. He came for you. I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. With faith. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past, no. Jesus said, I will not remember your history anymore. No. All things are made new. You want to be a new creature? Close your eyes. And in all faith, say this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I put your name. I'm thankful for your word this evening or if it's morning or afternoon, you put that period of time of day over there. I thank you, Father, for sending your only Son, your beloved Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. I acknowledge that I cannot save myself, but you can save me Unto the uttermost. Jesus, today I surrender. I raise up my hands in surrender to you. Be the Lord of my heart and of my life today and forever rule over my emotions rule over my spirit rule over my body rule over my soul grant me peace in your name thank you that you are in my life today i'm blessed hallelujah hallelujah so if you pray this prayer you are now a bona fide son or daughter of the lord the holy spirit has taken a precedence in your heart just right now and he has supplied and he's going to supply he's going to keep supplying you with grace to overcome your battles he's going to make you victorious in anything and everything that you do all you need to do is to yield to him make it a point to establish your relationship with him daily. It's like you've gotten a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend. What do you do? I mean, you establish the ties with the person. So you, you need to grow in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You study the word of God for yourself. You pray regularly. Then you find a Bible teaching, Jesus believing, spirits um, residing church local church to, to, to join because the body of local believers of the Lord is very essential to him and to your personal growth in faith. So yeah, welcome to the body of Christ and I'm, I'm telling you you're going to be a blessing. It doesn't matter the time. Some people think it has to take two years, That to take two years. It depends on your seriousness. It totally depends on your seriousness. So get serious with the Lord today and there will be massive transformation in your life that will affect your generation, that will affect your family, not just you alone. Sure, there will be challenges. If you read, if you listen to my earlier podcast on this series, uh, uh, Devices of the Enemy, of course, you know that there are challenges. But the good news is that God will lead us through each and every one of these challenges. And as we come out of the challenges, we are being made stronger. We are made tougher. And we enter into a, 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 a higher realm of blessing each time and one day all these blessings are going to be made manifest because you're a son of god god bless you god bless you thank you very much for listening to this podcast um i've not been so consistent you know since the publication of my last uh, episode i think it was like seven months ago Uh, i know i know right um I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so ashamed seeing the scene that a lot, like, yeah, but, um, I'll, I'll be very consistent henceforth and try to bring at least two podcast episodes every week. And I trust that they will bless your life. If they blessed your life, please, um, drop a comment, share, share this episode. Uh, can you subscribe? I don't think so. And yeah, get the word out there. Preach your sure, word, do your part. God will bless you. Thank you so much. It's been your faithful friend, your faithful servant, Gabriel Ibenson. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.